Welcome to the Resume Storyteller, bringing you interviews with industry experts, regular folks who tested the job search waters and succeeded, and strategies to tell your story and land you job interviews. Here's your host, Virginia Franco. Hey guys, I am so excited to have with me former recruiter and job search expert, Diana Chan. She's a career coach, a speaker, and a trainer who empowers professionals to own their greatness with confidence, to shine, and to differentiate. She launched My Marketability in 2011 and has helped clients around the globe, from new grads to C-suites, to change career, to land job offers, and to receive sizable salary increases. Today, JobScan recognizes her as a top 10 job search expert to follow on LinkedIn. She's worked at Google, Ivy Business School, and Accenture, which means she has reviewed thousands of resumes, conducted hundreds of interviews, and really knows what it takes to brand yourself as a sought-after professional. So Diana, thank you so much for joining me. I've been a huge fan of your content. I'm so excited that your posts show up in my feed. Um, I just love what you're doing. Hi, Virginia. Thank you so much for having me. I am so delighted to be here with you today. So you heard me give a quick overview of your of your background, but I'd love to hear a little bit about how you came to this role. Yeah, absolutely. So a little bit of my story. I've always been very passionate about developing people. I, I love helping people reach their full potential. So even throughout my days in university, I was always involved with being a mentor, a big sister. I would deliver training on leadership, communication, uh, even though English is not my first language, but I love helping people to really own their greatness. So my mission is all about helping people to own their greatness with confidence to shine. And so and you find that even before as, as a volunteer. Yeah, Do it as a volunteer beyond your job. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I would welcome new immigrants to Canada, like coming to university. Like I was their big sister. I had like the largest group of first year students where I was their big sister to guide them through. Oh my gosh, their what university you were an ambassador. Journey. Yeah, yeah, and and I loved it. And it's just so for me, I've always just had this heart to really give back to help people, and and I just know what it's like, you know, like not having that confidence to you know to promote yourself. And so when I got into recruiting over 10 years ago, I was a recruiter for one of the top um, MBA schools recruiting for MBA, executive MBA program. And that's Ivy, correct? Yeah, that's Ivy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew that I wanted to do something related to coaching, but wasn't sure how to do it yet. So the way I got into it was I actually took this job to research my target audience to really understand their pain points and why they're looking to pursue an MBA, what they're looking to achieve. And through that, I also then got a recruiting job at Google to become the first and only recruiter here in Google Canada to help them double their office size. So that two and a half year experience was what gave me that credibility to launch also my business um, to specialize in career coaching, but more so in a job search uh, coaching there. Okay. Um, Well, knowing Google alone is... I mean, that just, they're such a complex company to support. And I feel like if you can get people interviews with Google, then everyone else will be a piece of cake. So, um, (laughs) because I I know how complex it is to write with for them. Uh, So, you know, you speak a great deal on confidence building as a way to press forward and succeed in job search. Since you've worked with all levels um, and lots of different industries, where do you see that? a lack of confidence really impacts their job search. How how does it manifest? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I would say confident is definitely one of the key foundation to job search success. And it actually falls under the bracket of your mindset. And what I've seen a lot is most of the times people are not comfortable talking about themselves or they find it awkward or they just find that, you know, they don't don't see the significance of the work that they've done. So when you think about it, if your lack of confidence could also impact the way you see yourself in terms of your self-worth, your self-value, your uniqueness, um, what differentiates you, all these things that impacts that. So to me, it really goes back to first is in terms of building that confidence, mm-hmm. you have to be able to really recognize your value by understanding what makes you unique. What's your superpower? What are you proud of? These are things you really need to understand first. And then what I call is to believe in your value. So once you recognize that you got to believe in it, which is really going to build that confidence, like, hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm proud of. And that third piece is what I call voicing your value, which is be able to promote yourself in a way that is clear, concise, and compelling there. And so that's what I work with a lot of my clients on. So, you know, I, I do work with a lot of people in sales and I feel like they are, sometimes it's a little bit of false bravado where they are trained to lead with their accomplishments. You know, there's a little bit of humble bragging or more more than humble bragging going on. Um, do you Do you feel like there's a challenge with those folks because they're, message doesn't feel authentic. Um, Is that an additional challenge? That's interesting that you say that. I would say it's interesting because what I find with when I work with salespeople, they tend to have more confidence because of their background and experience. However, there's what I help with a lot of them is also helping recognize and pinpoint what are those differentiation factors as well. So a lot of the work that I do, and actually I was just talking to another client earlier who got a a role in sales. Mm -hmm. He said, even though he's in sales, that he knows how to pitch, but the value of having a coach was helping him see it from a different lens of what the employer would value, what's important to an employer. So as a coach, I listen to not only what they think, like what they're good at, but I also look at, okay, well, what is it the really uh, the hiring manager is really looking for and how do we connect the dots? So as a, even a salesperson, yes, they may be more confident, but what they find also the value is also helping them, like essentially it's mis- finessing or massaging their messaging that will be more tailored to the hiring need there. You know, I think that's a good point. And um, I do think that a lot of people in the sales profession are great. They're great at pitching a product, but pitching yourself is a whole different ballgame. It is. Yeah. I'll give you an example. Um, I work with a lot of marketers as okay. well. A, a lot of them tell me like, I can market a multi-million dollar All product. day long for someone <laughs> else, right? But when it comes to marketing themselves, they actually find it really challenging and difficult. So I, and I love working with marketers because they understand the importance of branding. They understand the importance of tailoring your message, but they just need to work with someone to just see it in a different light. And I think there's just, I don't know how to tell it. So that feeling of awkwardness, you're like, oh, I need to. It's like peeling the onion of myself, mm-hmm. of really seeing who I truly am and what I have to offer. And as a coach, the way I do it is really looking at, hey, like, These are the qualities of you. These are things that an employer would value. I feel like part of it, a lot of times, people also want to get that acknowledgement to say, like, this is what makes you unique and different. So that they can. And this is what people value. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's the validation. You, because you, uh, to your point, I guess the piece around believing it, 
you need to know that the qualities are, it's something you're good at, something you like, and it's something that someone else wants as well. And that you're right, that does give validation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Stephen Alterman. So, and I know we talked about this uh, off camera before, but I know that you work with a lot of people that are looking to make a career move. What advice can you give to them in terms of getting started figuring out how to articulate your value? Someone that maybe can't work with someone one-on-one, how do you recommend they get started? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say if someone's just getting started who are either they're not happy with their job or they feel like there's something more and not sure what's next, I always say like you have to do the soul searching first before job searching. So the first step is definitely the self-awareness and career clarity. So here are a few things I, I would talk, think about is one is really understanding um, who are you in terms of understanding your personality, your character, your preferences, your your strengths, your core values, your interests. Like really do that self-assessment. Uh, yeah. One of the books that I recommend to a lot of my clients who feel lost is called uh, Designing Your Life. That's a great book uh, to Designing read there. Your life? Designing your life. But on another one. Okay. Yeah, that's a great self-discovery book. I, a lot of my clients who feel a bit lost, they find that a very eye-opening uh, book. It was actually written by two uh, Stanford uh, professors there. Okay. The other piece is around, I call, is um, what is it that you have to offer? So really looking at like, your area of expertise in terms of your knowledge, your skills and experience, do an inventory of that to really understand you know, what makes you uh, unique and different there. And then the third part is what I call your track record of success. So this is really doing a more tangible, which is great for like resume writing as well, like really understanding your accomplishments, your results, your performance, your impact, any awards or recognition. So I think by doing these three parts of an exercise, it's really going to help you uh, gain clarity of what's next for you. Because as a coach, when I do this exercise with my clients, I'm able to help them connect the dots by looking at, okay... Who are you? What drives you? What is it that you have to offer? What's important to an employer? And then looking at, okay, well, what's your track record of success that we can use to really position you for that next role? For that. Well, and I, you know, as a writer, I deal with that third part. Let's figure out how to prove that you can do what you say you can do. And the results that you choose from and the outcomes that you show really need to relate back to that target. So without that clarity, it's sort of numbers and results for results sake. Um, and you see that all the time where you just see resumes with, with a jumble of numbers, but they don't, there's no context. They don't, and yeah. as a result, they don't resonate. Yes, absolutely. You know what I have to say, like one of the exercises people don't do enough, I would say is like, you know, once you figure out what you want and, you know, you need to get there. I think another exercise, it is really the market research and due diligence, like to really mm-hmm. understand what the day-to-day responsibilities are like, what hiring managers are looking for. Like doing those informational interviews will help you gather a lot of insights for things that you may have thought was important or, or not important tomorrow, but you get a lot of information just by talking to people. And do you feel like that needs to take place during that self-awareness piece and that career clarity piece? Yes, I would okay. say yes. You can, you don't have to do a lot, but even just like a handful of people, it will give you some good insights because it's going to help you then what I call going from a that discovery expert or exploratory type of meetings to then once you're really ready to actively network, then it's going to more promotional type of meetings. That's right. No, and, you're right. Because those same conversations can have a dual purpose. Exactly. Exactly. No, that's brilliant. And so many, I, I mean, I'm sure you've seen this where you start having those exploratory discussions and then you find, oh, there, there's a big skill gap or 
I don't think I would like that as, as much as I thought I would. Yeah, absolutely. I'll give you an example, like as simple as, for example, if someone's looking to become going into analytics, mm-hmm. right? Like data analytics, it's it's more numbers-driven type of role, right? But within that field, there are roles where analytics is like 80 to 90% of the time you're doing dealing with data. But then there are roles where you're only spending 20% of time doing that. So you need, and then and then the other percent of time, you're doing more project management, collaboration, mm-hmm. influencing, which requires a lot more soft skills. That's right. So you have to get really clear on even not only the, the area you want to work in, but the type of role in terms of where you want to spend your time and energy um, to find that kind of right role as well. And that's going to influence the way you're going to market yourself in your resume, your LinkedIn profile, even your elevator pitch as well. That's right. All of it. You're right. And, and it all starts with that target. And without that clarity, yeah. you can't you can't get started. Yeah, absolutely. I would also argue like once we have the clarity, um, I like to help clients with getting clear on their personal branding first. Because once they know their brand of their essence and their uniqueness, it actually helps with having more consistent and compelling resume, LinkedIn, elevator pitch. Because there's a lot of these language or common language you can use throughout all your other materials as well. No, you're right. It, it, it trickles down. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Ideally, we work with clients that come to us uh, before they've engaged in job hunt, and we're able to put all of this into place for them. And then they walk. Then we say, "Okay, you're here. You've got your clarity. You've got your purpose. You've got your brand. You've got your documents. Off you go." But what about those people that come to you where they're stuck or they've been job hunting and it is not going well? Um, mm-hmm. How do you help them to regroup and regain momentum? Because there is nothing. It, it, there's nothing more confidence killing than a job search that's gone awry. Yeah, absolutely. That's just a great question. Like, and I have to tell you, like, I would say reality is, I would say a lot of times, I wouldn't say, yeah, a lot of people actually don't come to me until they've actually tried it on their own. They don't. They've tried, yeah, yeah. Same. They, same. <laughs> where they try searching on their own and it's not working. So they're already in that place of yeah. feeling frustrated or feeling defeated, like that energy of just, you know, feel, feeling down. So, I mean, a big part of the work as a coach, you know, what I do is around also the energy management, the confidence management, the mindset management. Even though I don't market myself that way, but I do know that if I don't work with them on how they feel, how they think through things, it's going to impact everything else. As Absolutely. Well. Absolutely. So, you know, a lot of the work I do is also giving people back that words of encouragement. I, I acknowledge them. I recognize them. I see, you know, their beauty and what makes them great. And through that's how we're going to really build that confidence. But also I would say is a big part of the work I do is helping people structure their thoughts. So what I've seen in interview prep, a lot of times we may have these stories or thoughts of our experiences but it's not structured in a way that's easy for people to take notes. Okay. So I do a lot of work in helping people really break down their their story in terms of different chunks and looking at it from a different angles as well. And I like to use like the power of three techniques for motivational questions, like three reasons why you should hire me or three reasons why I'm interested in this role. It just helps people to remember better and to take better notes as well. This is why like a lot of times with... Um, uh, interview the behavioral interviews or even in resumes like we use certain models like you know the car model the star model yeah it's to help people take better notes so just to give you an idea like when I was recruiting at Google I had to take detailed notes of every single interview like detailed notes like word from word every interviewer had to take detailed notes so 
I have learned that in order for me to take good notes, those who speak with giving me like headlines or punchlines. They're talking like outline format. Exactly. Think of like a book, like a chapter. They give you an outline, then they elaborate it, and they give an example to back it up. Those were the best. And this is what I teach. Power three. Here's three reasons why you should hire me. Then you go down to... Explaining it. So is that the star or the car, this challenge action result? Is that where that comes in? Or is that where you're talking about the example? Yeah, the power of three, let me break down. The power of three is really for motivational questions. Like why are you looking to make a change? Why you? Why this company? So you give three reasons, right? You give your reason, which is usually like a a punchline. Mm-hmm. And then we call it, you give your explanation or your definition. What does that mean? So for example, when you say, I have great experience in software development, okay, elaborate that. What does that mean to give your explanation? Okay. And then you give a bit more of like a story or project that you worked on to back up this claim that you okay. have. Okay. Uh, a lot of people don't do that. It's essentially, it's going deeper and deeper that you give the highlight. The highlight the and then, okay. And then you give the proof. Okay, it's the, the tangible fact there that a lot of people don't do. And then the other one we're talking is the car model or the star model. Mm-hmm. I like to use car just because it's shorter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> shorter, right? Context, action, result. And a lot of people don't do this, but really the context is setting the stage of the story, right? To be able to paint the picture that people can visualize it. And you want to paint the picture of like, what was your mission and goal of the story, right? You're trying to solve a problem at the end of the day. That's why you're answering this question. And then you want to give the action, which is really the steps. And so one of my techniques is like using, you know, guiding words, first, second, third, or first, second, lastly. So again, talking in that outline format. And so... Whereas the power of three is for the motivational questions, the car is more for behavioral interviewing, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, I love that. It never occurred to me to speak in a way that makes it easy to take notes. Lord knows when I was in school, <laughs> I was grateful for that. Um, but you don't think of that because you think of people being able to just record everything, but it also helps to Retain. It, it helps to retain. Yeah. Yeah. I have to tell you something. So I was a really good note taker in university because mm-hmm. English was not my first language. I always had key lessons learned in all my notes. I would have one master document with like the top three to five lessons learned from that class so that I can go back to it. So that has influenced me the way I teach right now. If you you know, look at a lot of my trainings on my mm-hmm. live streams, the way I teach, I always have like five reasons or 10 reasons. And I like to play with words. So I always start like, like my one on last week on confidence. I would talk about, you know, 10 strategies to build confidence. And when I talk about like confidence, connecting with your essence, um, you know, cut out any social media comparisons. So what, how I would play around with words before I dive deeper in explaining it, the technique, um, and give an example. And it's actually a great way to retain the learning uh, for people as a speaker and trainer as well. Well, I love that because I was really good at notes, but it's more because I was a really fast typist. (laughs) And I knew shorthand. I was taught that as a kid. So it's incredibly sloppy, but I learned how to do that. Um. So what about people that um, have lots of different skills, right? And they could go in a whole lots of different directions. I could do sales, I could do service, I could do operations. Um, what are your thoughts on how to do that branding? Um, what are the pro- other pros and cons? Or, you know, what are your, where, what's your stance on that? 
Yeah, that's a great question. So when it comes to those who have a diverse skill set that could mm-hmm. also be positioned for different roles, first things first is we got to get clear is what is really your primary target? That, that right. Back primary to that clarity meaning, like, thing. Yeah, going back to what are you most interested in? Because that's going to impact everything in terms of not only your messaging, but your strategy and how you approach your search and your conversation. So you have to prioritize what's your primary target and what what is really that preference there. Um, so I think that's first. And then from there, we got to look at what, what is it in terms of from a hiring requirement standpoint, like look at from the employer standpoint, what are those minimum qualifications that they're looking for? Okay. And if you have multiple ones, this is where you want to compare what are those similar type of qualifications or that at least could, least common denominator. Exactly. That you can highlight across the board that could be irrelevant. But I have okay. I have to tell you, like from my experience, you do really have to stay focused, even though you can go in different roles. So for example, I'll give an example. What would be a similar one? For example, uh, if you want to go into become, let's say, either a recruiter, trainer, facilitator, uh, or a coach, as an mm-hmm. example. The, the common denominator around that is what? It's people skills. That's right. Communication skills, right? So that's something you would want to highlight across the board there, right? You see that pretty common that, you know, people are in that area and go in different directions. Um, another one could be like what? If you're in sales, actually, I, I see like people in or sales and marketing have lots of similar skills, PR and communications. There's certain roles yeah. that lend themselves to that. The common denominator. And mm-hmm. something to keep in mind, I always say is like, what is the primary metric you're trying to improve. So for example, if you're looking to grow, like in sales, it's all about growth metrics, right? But if you're going into operations, it's more efficiency type of metrics. That's right. It's bottom line versus top line. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So the way you communicate is different. So I'll give an example. I had a C-level client who could be a chief digital officer or a chief tech, tech, tech off, technology officer or a CIO. Right. They're similar, but there's different. And the one thing I actually asked him is like, what do you want to be responsible for in terms of metrics of success? Do you want to be in the growth side or do you want to be more on the operation side? Mm-hmm. And he preferred to be more on the growth side, which is more the sales metrics uh, are there. So we really positioned his, essentially his marketing documents and his sale, like his um, interview messages around growth versus uh, cost cutting. What a great great way to help people do a gut check yeah and see what they what they're interested in um yeah i love that um and it's also thinking about when um so i do get this with people that are looking to make an industry change and they say well i really um, a stage of my life where i'm looking to make to do more meaningful work i want to make more of a social impact and all of that so they consider the nonprofit world um, but the way you talk about metrics is very different. You don't talk about revenues in nonprofit, you know. Um, and so how you show show your success from your earlier totally. experience really can make a difference. Yeah. Can I give um, another example to yeah. maybe help this? Yes. As long as I was just talking Please. to a client yesterday who's been in fundraising for okay. over a decade. So when you think about fundraising, is what fundraising is about raising money. It's the donor, right? the donor strategy. Yeah, talking yep. to donors where you need to influence donors to donate money and all mm-hmm. that. And specifically, she's been in fundraising for like scholarships. Okay. And, but she doesn't want to do that anymore. Through our discovery work, what we found was she actually does not enjoy making those phone calls, asking people to donate. She doesn't okay. enjoy that. But what she really enjoys is more actually making sure these scholarships were, are delivered to the students. 
So she hmm. actually enjoys more the investigating or auditing, um, more the operations side of things. Okay. And so what's interesting through that, even just that quick discovery call was that we want to make sure her resume is not just highlighting about in getting all these donor, um, donor money because it's about growth metrics. In fact, she wants to do more work around operations, providing like great customer experience or, you know, processes. And I'm like, this is where we're going to reposition your content because it's all about fundraising right now. And people right. are going to assume. The dollars raised is not... Yeah, it's not as impactful for that kind of a role. Exactly, exactly. So this is where we got to look at that in terms of what you enjoy, but then how do we reposition your messaging that makes sense to make into a career pivot, like doing something completely different? Well, you've just... I'm stealing that. I love... I'm going to start asking that going forward (laughs) to help people get some quick career clarity. Um, So shifting gears a little bit... um, I'd love to talk with you about sort of bar- different barriers to entry. Um, we've all seen, I'm sure you saw it uh, as a recruiter and I've seen it on the coaching side. There's discrimination that goes on. There's gender, there's age, there's ethnicity, there's uh, race. You know, there's, there's just a million different ways that, that there's an opportunity for, for discrimination. Um, and I'd love to know how you see this impacting confidence and, how you how you help clients to navigate this yeah yeah i have to tell you this is a it's a big one i feel like it we is. don't talk it's enough big, about it yeah it, it's not something we talk enough about it and unfortunately it does happen and so i think about instances where i've worked with clients who are either like new to canada or they have a name that's not an English name, mm-hmm. right? And how that impacts them, you know, getting interview opportunities. So I think first things first, we got to look at as the, the job seeker is what's within our control, Okay, right? What can we do in terms of elevating our brand or credibility or to minimize also that discrimination there? Like what can we do, right? Another one I commonly hear right now is from older job seekers where they feel like there's an age discrimination mm-hmm. uh, as well. And what can we, uh, what can they do? And so I think we got to look at first back, like what, what can we do? What's within our control? Okay. So it could be maybe things like if we look at um, our, let's say just LinkedIn profile, like is it making a great first impression? Is it really telling a good story about you? Or is it more like a bare bones profile? Most of the time, from my experience, most people don't have a great marketing profile. In terms no, of they don't. Themselves. It's sort of a skeletal outline. Yeah. So yeah. that's already hindering them in terms of that marketability standpoint. So I think let's do a check of, am I doing everything I can to really elevating my marketability there? Okay. Um, another could be a quick fix, right? You know, first impression does matter is even just having that picture. Like, you know, do you have an updated picture? Um you know, that really reflects your brand as well. You know, sometimes I've seen like, you know, people having really outdated pictures as well. And I, I've seen, I have a client right now who is a bit older and I just advised him to get a new picture um, and actually helped him get like half a dozen interviews. It makes such a difference regardless <laughs> of your age. And you did, uh, you shared a video or a post. It's been a couple of weeks now on ways that you can use your iPhone software to... <gasps> To do Take it, a you don't need. You do not need a professional photographer. Um, yeah, my first. I, I can't remember if I put it in the comments, but my first picture was pre really good iPhone software, and <laughs> I went to the Home Depot and knelt in front of a white refrigerator, and my teenage daughter took it. And um, you know what? It worked for a while until I finally said, "Okay, now I need to." <laughs> I went to a I, conference and. 
one of my colleagues was like, uh, you need to change your picture. <laughs> so <Yeah>. I did. <laughs> so. You know, it's funny. I mean, I mean, if you talk to photographers, photographers obviously don't mm-hmm. recommend it. But also no. right now in today's COVID environment, I've been experimenting as well, taking me selfies. I was like, okay, this is saving me time and money, but it takes patience and time it does to take, take that right yeah. angle. Yeah. So my, my most recent one, my neighbor takes high school pictures for people and we went outside because it was COVID. So that's why I'm actually at an outdoor cafe yeah. in my most recent picture. So. Oh, that's good. That's good. So yeah, so we got so that so the picture could really help yeah. as well. Um, the other is, you know, I've seen some of my international clients where, mm-hmm. you know, part of it's also like adding that like an English name, it, it does help as well. Like if they have another name, it could help with the the getting interviews there. Because sometimes I find, I don't know, I guess maybe recruiters find it hard to pronounce their name. And I know there's a whole debate about this, but I, I think that yeah, I have seen well, it does work. <sighs> Uh, do you, I don't know if you know Cheryl Milno. She spoke at a conference a year back, and she she has a presentation where they look at the numbers around that and the the discrimination that happens with people with 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 yeah. names and to people deemed foreign. Um, so you do advocate if there is an anglicized version of the name to to incorporate that as well. And I do see that on your LinkedIn, you have both. Yeah. So I have okay. uh, so my English name, Diana, and then my Chinese initial is YK, but I do have my Chinese name as Yunke. I just put YK uh, in there okay. um, just because there's also a lot of Diana Chans uh, out there. But I right. have seen just from experience, it does help at adding that the English name. Okay. Um, the other I've seen is around even location. Like I find that some I have people who want to move to Canada, but are overseas and they're not getting essentially picked up or found mm-hmm. because of their location, because a lot of times recruiters search by, by location by, as well. That's right. Right. So I have advised clients like, you know, we'll put in your target location or where you're looking to move. And it has made a difference uh, as well. Yeah. No, I'm making those tweaks. Well. Um, yeah. I, you know what? You don't need that because your name is short, but I have seen, you know how LinkedIn has the microphone where you can sort of spell out, you can pronounce yeah. your name. That has been a godsend to me. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I I actually really love that. And sometimes if I don't, not sure how to pronounce someone's name, I'll, I'll message them and I'll ask them to send me a voice note uh, as well. Oh, that's a good uh, idea. When I'm presenting, like if they could share with me their name so that I can make sure that I'm pronouncing it correctly, correctly there. I love that. But what you've identified are simple ways that... Can you can, you can't change all barriers to entry, but you can certainly yeah. change some. Um, so yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, so when some, let's say, no, someone does not have the time to work in depth with someone, and they approach you and say, "Okay, I'm getting ready to job search. What are two things that I absolutely must have to get the ball rolling?" What would you say? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. And in terms of tools, I would say number one, definitely be on LinkedIn. Okay. The number one that I would say the tool, like I've been using it for over a decade. And as a recruiter, I've really used it to search for talent as well. And it's just a great way to market yourself, to build your network. So if you're not on it, I highly recommend to be on it. But also then the first step is really building a great LinkedIn profile. Like having a great marketing profile. So think of that as your landing page for people yeah. to find you there. So that's really the first thing. And then from there, it's really building your network and meeting people so that you can expand your reach. So I talk a lot about to get more opportunities, you need to increase your visibility, right? So being on LinkedIn will help you with that. You need to increase your markability, 
which was really around the content for like your resume, your LinkedIn, your elevator pitch, your cover letter, and then increase your credibility, which is around being recognized or being referred by um, by other people or seen as a high potential talent. And the last piece is increasing your likability, which is really the soft skills on um, how do you build trust and rapport with people. Right. If, how do you um, increase the um, your your improve your communication skills as well? Right. So those so are things you can really work on. In terms of LinkedIn, and I, I love that you brought out brought up the fact that it is a it's a multi purpose tool. You use it to find people, to find to be found, and to find others. Yeah. Um, what do you sort of suggest as sort of those first baby steps for people that? And I get this all the time to say, I hate social media. You know, you hear that all the time. I don't see myself as someone who's going to be on there. Um, what are sort of baby steps that you recommend to increase your visibility and your uh, marketability? Like besides going on LinkedIn, or no? Once they're on, you convince once them. Okay, I'm uh, gonna have a, I'm gonna have a profile that looks great. So that helps you, assuming it's keyword. Um, you know, it's SEO focused um, or keyword fo- keyword written, yeah. driven. Um, that'll help people to find you. But what if you know how how do you how do you recommend people go about to show up in people's searches or yeah. people's feeds? Um, start yeah, getting yeah. those connections going. That's such a great question. So I'm thinking people who are just starting out and mm-hmm. I have clients like that who are just starting they're just, out. They're just newbies. And if you say, yeah, yeah start posting. They do yeah, and it's, it's not very scary. It's, it it's very scary. Mm-hmm. I think that we ought to really break it down to baby steps. Like even the yeah. fact that you create that profile or the fact that you optimize it. At first, I start with building with people that you know. Like to me, it's not okay. about meeting people that you don't know. It's actually adding people that you know, friends, colleagues, family members, people that you know. So it's still like your circle. You're building your circle. It's your safety right? zone, right? Exactly. It's your safety zone. Start with those baby steps first, right? Um, and then I would start thinking about in terms of who you want to meet, in terms of building your network. Who are those people you want to meet? Like setting that intention because it's going to then help you it influence the way you're going to use the tool itself, right? Of do you want to meet more recruiters or high managers or like influencers? Like just setting that criteria will help you with how you want to go about leveraging uh, this tool there. Okay. And then the way I look at it is if you, if for those who are like looking at from as a job search tool, mm-hmm. right? Let's just not even think about content or anything like that. Like that's, I feel like it's too much for a lot of people. Right. Um, I think about it from how do I use it as a research tool that will give me a competitive edge? So what I mean by this is how can I use it to research about the company? Um, you can follow company pages, for example, like follow pages that you companies you're interested in. That's a very easy way. Just look it up and follow them. And, and then do, do, I mean, and companies see that when they're using LinkedIn Recruiter, they'll see if you follow their page, correct? Uh, yes. Okay. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you follow, so you follow the, follow the companies and that's a great way to write to, to study about the company, to find out who works there as well. You know, just pay attention. That's really, really simple to do. And then another one is around like the job alerts. So you can set the job alerts as well, right. To receive feeds on positions that you're interested in. And so these are just so like I consider baby steps of things yeah. that you can do that I don't, it's not hard. People don't need to know about it. You're just doing it. 
that that's right. it's going to help that's you. Right. That's right. That's very with... under the radar. So it's a great way to start. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I personally love, like, this is what I love doing. Cause I, as a recruiter, I search for people, right? As a, I used to do a lot of searching. So oh, I was LinkedIn love... your primary tool for searching. It was, it was okay. one of my primary tools for, for searching. And so I'm really quick in terms of looking up for people. So I like to flip it for job seekers is also to use that kind of technique to search for people at your target companies, whether it's recruiters, hiring managers, uh, people at your peer level that you can reach out to to conduct informational interviews. Well, Um, LinkedIn has the best search filters for that. Uh, To me, it's it's such a great CRM. It is, right? Even if you don't use it for networking, like I, I do recommend for networking, but if you don't use it for networking, you can use it to study people's profiles. And that That's will right. give you tremendous insights and data of you know people's backgrounds and you know what employers look for, what they hire for, and how you can position yourself for success there. Well, so, and what I love yeah. is even for those informational interviews, you can look and say, okay, who's someone that works there that came from a non-traditional background if you're looking to make a career pivot. So you can sort of see how people came to things um, similar to what you want to do. And that's a great icebreaker. For sure. It's a great icebreaker. Yeah. And I'll tell you something. And I, this is what I've seen. I've helped with clients, um, especially with my executive clients. Uh, when we do interview prep, I will go research and stalk like the leadership team. <laughs> <laughs> to learn about their background so that I can help my clients to better prepare of, you know, strategically what to say. But also it helps when it comes to salary negotiation. How so? Here, yeah, here's what I mean. So as an example, like I had a client who was making a pivot from, um, uh, from healthcare. Okay. And she thought she would have to take a pay cut to pivot into this other uh, industry mm-hmm. there. And so I basically researched this leadership team and I was able to find out that pretty much they brought in this new leadership team where they were coming from a lot of these big name companies, like big name consulting firms, big name tech companies, big names. So I knew that all these people were getting paid big bucks because of where they were coming from. So as a result, I was able to advise my client when it came to them asking her what her expectation mm-hmm. is to not lowball herself. She thought she would have to take a pay cut because she did not have the industry experience there. Um, but I said, no, because so many other of these leaders came, came from, from the else. industry that did not have this industry experience and they got in. And so did she reference that in her... No, no. You right. Okay. That. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you brought this person in from this. <laughs> okay. Wanted to say that it's it's more about positioning your value of what I bring okay. to the table. So I really coach on, you know, this is what makes you unique. These are your unique selling points. These are the benefits of hiring you. Um, this is what I bring to the table. This is how I can achieve your goals. So you're really pitching yourself okay. in terms of that, like why you position yourself for the higher value there. Wow. So you really did a total corporate autopsy. You knew everything about oh. them before. Oh, this. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She made like like quite a bit of more money, like over five figures here. And she really I appreciate see that. a future as a PI for you down the road. <laughs> Stalking people. Yeah, there you go. Um, so, Diane, I, this is my last question for you. Um, I've loved what you've shared. Uh, you are doing so much. You did a summit, at, you know, just a few months back. You've got group coaching, one-on-one coaching. Now that we're in 2021, what what do you see? What's what's next for you? Yeah, 
And you know what? If we're gonna, I just celebrated my 10 years in business. I know. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so, so proud and happy as well, selling my 10 year journey. And so this year, there's a big part also I want to, I want to give back more okay. as well. And hence why I decided to launch my weekly live show where I deliver like free training. I interview guest speakers as well to really around like inspiring others. And my whole purpose is helping people right now, especially during a pandemic of helping people to rise up to um, raise their standards and reach the next level. And this is why I do it. And I actually find it meaningful for me because it's a way for me to also connect with people live and to hear from them, to get their feedback. So that's something I started uh, this year. The other thing is because I I really did have this huge desire to serve more people. So beyond the one-on-one coaching, I'm now working on uh, refreshing and creating new courses as well, where people can just take it at their own time. Okay, sort of self-paced. Yeah, yeah. So it was so interesting when I celebrated my 10-year recently, I... um, I shared with my list of people of my mini course, glowing introduction course, which is an elevator pitch. Mm-hmm. And I just sold it for 10 bucks because it was like, oh, it's celebrating my 10 year business. And people loved it. It was just like a half an hour course. But at, at the end of the day, they were able to walk away with a tangible yep. elevator pitch and how to present with confidence on camera. That was a training I gave. So I want to create more of that this year, something that's very tangible, um, actionable that people can walk away with and still get. Um, you know, good results there. And that's at a really manageable price point. Um, mm-hmm. When is your weekly live show for people? Yeah. So currently it's a Friday, uh, every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern okay. time. Eastern time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Every Friday, Eastern time for season one. I may switch it to Thursday uh, next season. Okay. So if people want to follow you, I've got your website, your LinkedIn, and your YouTube channel. Are those the three places where people can should tune in or is there another place where you'd like to direct people? Yeah, those are the three primary okay. places. LinkedIn's where I'm most active, yes. I would say. And then if you want more of my video training content, definitely YouTube. Okay. And then recently I'm more active on Instagram where I'm sharing like these Instagram re- reels, <laughs> some short videos. I, I don't know which one I saw the other day. Um, it was like you doing all of these happy expressions, <laughs> like excited. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I just want to give a learning for the viewers, uh, listeners here. Um, it was a lesson learned. Like when you think about it, these Instagram reels is only 15 to 30 seconds long. Right, right. And it got me thinking, how can you get your messages across in such a short period of time? And it's such a great exercise to actually map out your key messages every two seconds. So I'm able to get like eight messages in 15 seconds. That's incredible. And I want to encourage people to do that. Like this is like for interview prep. If you mm-hmm. want to learn how to get to the point, do some like Instagram reels. That's brilliant. And and what's so great to me, there's look, technology is a double-edged sword, but there are there are platforms that let you practice this stuff for free. Yeah. Right? Instagram yeah. being one of them. Absolutely, right? With all the tools right now out there, I also encourage people when you ask people another tool, I definitely recommend right now, you know, with the virtual world is to really practice being comfortable in front of a camera. Oh my goodness, Zoom is free. You can use your iPhone yeah. and just pr- and then you can watch yourself back. Absolutely. And cringe and then improve. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> yeah, I encourage people to record themselves and, you know, get feedback and then work on improving. Gosh, well, Diana, thank you so much. You've um You've given me some ideas to help my clients. And I know that other people are going to walk away with um, some great techniques to just boost their confidence. Is that that and clarity just seem like the two 
cornerstones of what everyone needs. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You've been listening to The Resume Storyteller with Virginia Franco. To learn more about storytelling strategies to catch the eye of today's online skim hiring and decision makers, please visit www.virginiafrancoresumes.com.